Blessed be the name of the Lord. And let me just say, thank you, Brother Connecticut Baptist Church, for blessing me with the sound of the shofar. Good morning, and happy, happy Father's Day. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. It's so good to see each and every one of you this morning. I want to welcome you. If you're visiting with us, I want to ask you to take the time to turn out the visitor card you'll find in front of you, in your chair pocket in front of you. Place them out for one place as they come around. We have a regular visitor. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you as well. I invite you to come and be right here in sanctuary with us. It's nothing like experiencing what God is doing in person. Come and be a part of that at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. Well, what's going on in Robinson Avenue? Well, number one, uh, it is Father's Day. So we're going to recognize our fathers here in just a second. Uh, we want to give thanks to God for you. I also want you to know that Robinson Avenue has plans to provide a donation to Hope Pregnancy Center for every dad that is here today. So if you're in the sanctuary as a father, as even stepfather, then you raise your hand here in a minute and let us count you so we can get that donation.
Where would this world be without dads? And let me tell you something. Right now, our country is hurting because dads aren't in the picture anymore. Thank you that you're still involved with your family and your loved ones. We get a count of those dads. So we appreciate that. Y'all can go ahead and sit down. We'll keep your hand up high. And uh, we're going to bring you a little gift. Looks like our children's church is going to do that. And they're going to bring you uh, a yellow candy bar. Praise God. How many of y'all know I've been on a diet? So this is, this is not counted in the diet.
tell you, though, good thing my Mr. Football is still up here. I know you were up here, Robert. <laughs> good thing, too. Well, my goodness, if you have your Bibles with you, hope with me, please. Let's focus in on more than conquer. 
look at it in detail this morning. That Greek word is hyperlikao. You want to say that with me? Hyperlikao. Transliterated, and how we put it in our normal uh, English today, would be hyperlikao. Right? Hyper. You might see down there the exact pronunciation of say hooper. No, it's hyper. Hyper or deeper, is that it actually say in the modern day Greek? It comes to two words, hyper and of course cacao. It means to vanquish with great hyperness. Let me say that again. To vanquish with great hyperness. In fact, it means to gain a decisive victory, to be more than a conqueror. And as I did some, of course, our favorite songs in Greek speaking dictionary there. Let's take a look at our next one there. Hypernicao, to be more than conqueror. To be boldly, almost arrogantly confident that no matter what, the victory is assured. For lack of a better description, it's hyper confidence. It's to ridiculously win over any opponent. I mean, win to the point that the opponent is made fun of. Ridiculously win over any opponent. To summit any obstacle. Nothing can stop you. Paul describes it like no height. Remember when he said that? No height, no depth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he focuses in on no height, no depth, but climb to the highest point and still overcome. And I don't even know if that does that word justice. All that definition. Let's move on. There we go. Mountaintop there. When you trust in Jesus Christ, you become an overcomer. Not only you become an overcomer, you become someone who is able to win because of Jesus Christ. And that's my picture of what a triumphant dad looks like. When is the dad triumphant? When they turn 18, is it? Wrong. Wrong. I remember when my first son was born, and I remember the slightest little sound that came out of his mouth. I was running to that crib. I was running to see that. I remember the first time he started walking, and the first time he fell. My heart fell with him, and I ran to him to look at his little in the shape of knees and to kiss them and to say, Daddy loves you and I will always be there. And if I can catch you, I will never let you fall. You know what? Through Christ, we are more than conquerors. And you know, He makes us that mountaintop dad, doesn't He? Let's move on a little bit here. At the climb of Mount Everest, George Mallory was asked, Do you go up there to die? Do you go up there to die? And he climbed it without oxygen. He responded, No. I went up there some of us think about mountains in our life, mountains that are over. The Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8. He says, through Christ, we are more than conquerors. We can get over any height. There's nothing that was ever created that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Let's move on to Anybody to help us. In 
so when I saw this one right here, I just died laughing and remembering how my family was. Well, we ain't paying him. We didn't have the money to pay him anyway. So look at these two guys right here. You got a guy standing on top of the car, and he's got that piece of furniture. He said, now we don't need a truck. I can stand up here and hold it. Just like a dad. Amen. I got that, bro. You know those two guys are dads. You know why we know they're dads? Because they took the floor to win it. <laughs> Next slide, please. Mountaintop dads. What did Jesus say about mountains? And that's really what we're going to take a look at this morning. Remember, we're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. We're more than conquerors because He loves us. And nothing can separate us from that love. But what did Jesus say about mountains? Because we are going to come across them in our life, aren't we? We're going to have mountains as dads. We're going to have mountains as husbands. We're going to have mountains as fathers, mountains as mamas, mountains as Christians. And you know what? This isn't just the dads this morning. Even though we're focusing in on dads, I want you to know mountains come in every believer's life. If you don't believe me, just watch the news nowadays. Amen? Mountains are coming up everywhere. This morning when I put gas in the car, that was a mountain. Amen? You know what I asked God? I said, could you please, please, please grow the gas like you did feeding the 5,000? Could you turn the water into gasoline, not wine? I needed help this morning. Five dollars a gallon, y'all. That's a quick way to go broke, isn't it? Look with me in Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 23. As we look at some mountains in our life, look what Jesus had to say about mountains. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. And let me tell you, that's the first place to start, Dad. That's the first place to start, Christian. You might feel like you're looking at an insurmountable mountain this morning. You might feel like someone put it in your way. But that he has been dropped right in front of you. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. I want you to know, Jesus is your Savior. Have faith in God. Somebody repeat that with me this morning. Have faith in God. Congratulations. You just memorized Scripture. For those of you who say, I can't remember a Bible verse. You got it now. Have faith in God. For assuredly, this is verse 23, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Boy, I think it's remarkable this morning. We had a little debate over a song we were singing. And in that song, we had the picture of, if you believe, it'll be given to you. It was God that said,
acceptable in public and what's not. And incidentally, I want you to know that dads, especially mountaintop dads, are very acceptable in public. God knows we need a few more of them in the United States. Amen? How do we become mountaintop dads? And how do we deal with those mountains in our lives? Because assuredly, we're going to have some. They're going to be there. They're going to be around. And you may have one one day. Get over it. Get under it. Get around it. Whatever it is you do. Guess what? There's going to be another one. Nowhere in the Bible does it promise us clear sailing. Nowhere does it promise us that you will have a problemless life. In fact, my Bible tells me that the closer we get to Jesus, the more the world hates us. Did you know that? Not only does the more the world hate us, but the more we begin doing His will. And the more we do His will, then the more the world gets uncomfortable. And they start taking it out. So how do we become mountaintop dads? Let's find out, shall we? Let's take a look in the Bible and see if there's an example about mountains, about what they did on mountains. I want to give you one of my favorite examples this morning about a mountainous area that one of my favorite people in the Bible happened to be at. His name is David. And just to give you a little background about David, David was an interesting guy. He had all kinds of problems in his life. He was the Lord's anointed. He had been anointed by the prophet, and he was going to be king of Israel. However, the current king of Israel wasn't trying to deal with him. Let me say that again. The current king of Israel had decided that I don't want David usurping my throne. And he began chasing David. And David and his followers were hiding from him. And the Bible tells us he ends up in this place called En Gedi. En Gedi. And at En Gedi, he hides in a cave. Now, I know a lot of us are thinking En Gedi is kind of a valley. It's a very mountainous region. Down in the valley, there's abundance of water. In fact, there's a place called the with a wild mountain built to climb up and be able to look down into the valley. Well, guess what? David, the goat, the greatest of all time, somebody say amen to that, the goat was up there on the mountain looking down because King Saul was after him. I don't know about you, but there's nothing better to give you good sight than when you're up on a mountain looking down in the valley. If you had an army of 3,000 people chasing you, I'd want to be able to see them when they came into the valley, right? Right. So let's begin here in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 24. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines. Remember, we're talking about mountaintop dads, and we're talking about what to do when those mountains get in our lives. Here is David. It happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel. That's not just 3,000 squads, Israel. That's not just 3,000 infantry soldiers. That is 3,000 chosen mighty men of valor. These are green berets. These are navy seals. These are rangers. These are the tough guys of the tough guys. And they are going after David. And David has done what? Let's take a look at this. Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rock of the wild goat. So he came to the sheepfold by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. Let me translate that for you in a very delicate way. Saul heard the call of nature. Saul had to do something, and he goes in to take care of his needs. David and his men, however, were staying in the recesses of that cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day. 
way of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and instantly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterwards that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Let's hold it right there as we take a look at the mountains of these days. And down in the valley, you see the palm tree. And if you were to go a little bit further, you would see a waterfall. You'd see caves in the rock. You would see a pond down below that's clear. And people and families in Israel still go there to this day and go swimming there. It's a vacation place now. But David was hiding in the cave up in there. Why was he hiding in those caves? Because he could see an army coming in to catch him. He could see it. Not only that, I bet he could hear it 10,000 miles away. Wouldn't you bet? I bet he could hear it. I bet everything echoed up in there. And they hid when they heard that army come in, or they saw that army come into the valley, and they hid in the recesses of the cave. And as fate would have it, and let me tell you, I don't believe this. I believe God led Saul to that exact Start playing the heart. And King David did. He started playing the heart. 
and he'd start feeling better. And the moment he started feeling better, he'd start feeling a little jealous. And he'd pick up a spear and throw it at David. How many spears are going to be thrown at you before you get out of town? David got out of town and went on the run, and Saul decided to chase him. He decided to chase him mercilessly all across Israel. And if you'll read through David's account, he ends up being daddy. He ends up protecting Israel from the invading forces of Shadowin. He keeps the Philistines at bay. He helps things out as he's running from the demoniac King Saul. However, Saul comes into the valley, as you know, While there, he exposes himself. He makes himself vulnerable. There's no armor in that particular moment. There's nothing between him and David tonight. And could you imagine what it would have been like if David's men whispered into his ears, King David, 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 the son of Jesse, God has delivered your enemy into your hand. God has placed him right there with one little flick of your dagger.
on the mountains we can see from. There's no better place to see from than the mountains. And I want to remind you about David, that Jesus has set his church, his people, up in the mountains so they can see Saul's army coming in. And when they saw Saul's army coming in, they were able to prepare accordingly. Get yourself on the mountain. Next slide, please. Psalm 94, verse 22 tells us a little bit about that mountain. But the Lord is in my defense, and my God, the rock of my refuge. He is our rock, and He's the mountain of our refuge. And we need to get our families, our wives, ourselves back to church. We need to get them back in God's house, back on God's Word, back with God, our rock. Unshakable, unbreakable, and you know what? The world cannot move Him. You know what I love most about God's Word? I love to preach to you all the time about it will not come back. But when you want to know what I really love about God's Word, are you ready for this? That the world cannot break His Word. Just because they say it is the truth doesn't mean that it is 100% true. It is 100% inspired. It is 100% infallible. And it is 100% something you can't trust. You can hang your hat on it. You can take it to the bank. And when the world is falling apart, if you will hold on to the rock of God's Word, you're going to sail it on through. Why? Because the rock cannot be moved. He is our refuge. The Lord has been my refuge, my defense. He's the rock of my refuge. It's time to get your family back there. You've been sitting there this morning, perhaps you're online, saying, what do I do to get my family back? Hello? Get back to church. Why did you ever stop coming? Because the world told you to, didn't they? Somewhere down the line, you believe the lie. Those people at church are going to judge me. You know what? Have you ever read Robert Chandler's story? Once inside the door, changes no more. You ever hear Brother Joshua's story? Are you ready for this? We are the perfect place for imperfect people. You need to come on and be a part of it. You say, what a church is full of hypocrites. There's room for one more. Time for you to get involved in it. It's time for you to get on the rock. It's time for you to find out that our God is unshakable, unbreakable. And though the world be falling apart around us, we will be on your ground. Because you were. Get your people back on the mountain. You're going to be a mountaintop dad. Start by bringing your family back. How do I do that, Pastor? How do I get my family back? You know what I love to do? Evening Bible study. Yep, kid get mad when you say, stop, put up your video game, become a Bible study. Do it anyway, Dad. Do it anyway, Dad. Make sure they have that biblical foundation because there is no other rock. This world is going to give them things and truths they think they can hold on to, but those truths are going to fall away. The only one that isn't is the rock, the mountain, God's holy world. We need to get back to that. Oh, I don't want to make him mad at me. You better. If you're going to be a mountaintop dad, then you need to get your family back in God's Word. And you're going to find out when you get back in God's Word that you have a craving to be with God's people. When you crave to be with God's people, you're going to find yourself worshiping. But when you find yourself worshiping, you're going to find yourself holding hands with He who lives forever and ever and ever. And He's going to pull you up with Him on that mountain. Time to get back to that, Dad. Might be a dad this morning that says, I don't want to upset my family. I don't want to change the bill. Oh, excuse me. You are the spiritual leader of your family, not your wife. That's right. Amen or oh me. Not your wife. You say, wait a minute, I get to tell my wife what you Yes, 
by that in the court of law to happen. No, no, no. But I will tell you this. God will keep talking to the spirit of possession. If you sit back idly and you let your family move off to this country, you let them move off to the LGBTQ agenda, and you let them get sucked in by quote-unquote screws of the world, Church that loves so much, a lot of times they will turn themselves over to 
world provides is going to make life better for them. Because this world does not care about whether your children suffer or not. You, however, are supposed to. And the Bible tells us that we should train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's older, he will not depart from it.
people all those years fighting off lions and tigers and bears, all those years being a sheep, a shepherd, all those years dependent on God and God alone. He knew that our God is merciful. And if our God is merciful, we need to be merciful. And if you're going to be a mountaintop dad, you need to protect your family with the mountain. You need to put them in a cage. And God Almighty, help us to be merciful to our children. Look at the next slide. Here we go. Go back to Jesus. Jesus 6, verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Hindsight. You know what I should have done? With a fuzzy bunny book. I should have taken out my ink pen and written the Bible verses inside. So as he pet the bunny, I could have put in his ear the sweet truth of God Almighty. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I should have been putting that in his life instead of my anger. God help me to be merciful. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Oh! 
Michael Morning Conference who prays, who strengthens us and speaks to those mountains and says, get up and get yourself back in the seat where you belong, out on the way of God's people.
just in the two times at 9.30 on Tuesday morning and at 6.30 on Tuesday night. Sign up and be a part of that. It's always a wonderful time. And all the ladies always tell me it's just a beautiful, worshipful experience. So if you're in that, come and be a part of that. Come to get a men's Bible study at 6.30. And don't forget, Wednesday night, right here for our midweek refresher. Come and be a part of that at 6.30 as well. Uh, happy, happy Father's Day, Dad. God bless you. You know what? You're probably going to go out and build a steak, aren't you? So you can probably pick up the phone and say, Pastor, are you coming to eat a steak with me? Yes, I am. <laughs> you know, Becky's got plans for me, but thank you for that. Let's close in a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask Brother Chris Lyman to